Food is fuel for your body, your mind, and definitely your sport. But let's face it, nutrition is confusing and the expectations on girls and women to be thin and have a six pack are exhausting. If you've ever been frustrated with your body, confused about nutrition, obsessed with eating healthy or guilty when you don't, underate, overate, or overtrained and overwhelmed with all the pressure, then this podcast is for you. Nutrition can be easy. You can take control of it, but it might start with letting go of control by asking for help and making a change. I'm Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, sports dietitian and owner of Rise Up Nutrition, where I empower female athletes to overcome nutrition concerns and perform at their highest level, to stop being confused by all the mixed or harmful messages, and finally have confidence in your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. This podcast is brought to you by our wonderful partners, Prevenix, Inside Tracker, Orgain, Practice Better, and Jen and Carrie. Stay tuned to hear more about these amazing companies that I am partnered with and check out our show notes for discounts and deals. But for now, let's get right to the conversation. Hello, fans and listeners. Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, your host of the podcast and owner of Rise of Nutrition. I'm here with a guest today, Arla Davis. Arla is a student athlete at Ithaca College. She is studying sports media with a minor in journalism. She was a four-year member of the field hockey team and recently joined the track and field team as a thrower. In addition to athletics and academics, Arla has been a campus captain with the hidden opponent for three years. She has held various positions, including the co-chair of Ithaca College's Student Athlete Advisory Council, known as SAC, S-A-A-C, and interned with Women's Sports Foundation, the Tucker Center for Research on Women and Girls in Sport, and Women X. Because of her involvement in important work as a student athlete, we thought that Arla was a great person to talk to today, a resource for other college athletes, and an inspiration for future college athletes. So Arla, thank you so much for making the time in your busy college student athlete schedule to chat with me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I think you know, just diving right into some of the work that I mentioned in your bio, which I also just want to, I just want to take a moment to pause and reflect on like how awesome it is that, you know, as you're a student, but you're actively doing work as well. And just how powerful that is for people to get involved in projects and missions and work that they're passionate about at a young age. I just, I think that's amazing. So good for you. You go girl. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah. And so let's dive into some of that work right away. One of the things that I mentioned is the hidden opponent and that you're a campus captain with that. Could you tell us a little bit about what is the hidden opponent and what it means to be a hidden opponent captain? Yeah. So the hidden opponent is a nonprofit organization focused on advocating, educating, and supporting student athletes in mental health specifically, but just kind of in terms of supporting, giving them like an outlet. And they share a lot of student stories that have experienced issues with mental illness and other various mental health experiences, whether it's something like depression and anxiety or performance anxiety, or even just a lot of what they've been talking about lately is return to COVID, return to sport after COVID. And so I joined during COVID as campus captain, which is essentially being an ambassador for Ithaca College or for your campus. And kind of, you can either do it on your own sort of thing, just be an advocate for mental health and the the hidden opponent, or you could start a chapter. 
So we've been trying to start a chapter on Ithaca College's campus the last couple of years. And this year we had, I think, 11 people become campus captains, which was so exciting because it went from me and one other student when I first joined. And then my junior year, we had three people and now we have 11. So it's awesome to see how it's grown. Some of the people who have joined as campus captains at Ithaca, I didn't even know before, which was crazy because we're a pretty small campus. We're a division three school. So to not know some other student athletes was wild to me, yeah. especially kind of like you were saying, I'm involved in a lot of different activities. And so I feel like I've gotten to know a lot of the student athletes on campus. So to meet new people this way through an organization that really isn't even on our campus, I thought was super powerful. And even off campus, I've met a bunch of people, people that go to different universities throughout the country, whether in, they're in division one, two, three. It's been really cool to meet a lot of different people through such a great organization and such a necessary organization right now, too. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned, you know, working on things like depression, depression and anxiety or performance, anxiety, performance, psychology type things, mental health there, as well as this return to sport post COVID. What are, and maybe you have a different answer for all three things, I'm not sure, but what are some like things that you're actually doing to help support student athletes within these areas? Is it just, you know, is it as simple as knowing there's people to talk to or are there kind of more tangible things that are being done? I, I would say a little bit of both. Definitely just knowing that you have this huge community, especially the, I should have added to that the campus captain program grew at like doubled from 400 campus captains across the country last year to now 800 campus captains. Wow. So it's obviously a big community now. So just to know that you have this many people behind you, if you ever need support. And even we also have it broken down into um, regions and divisions. And now they also have high school campus captains too, which is really cool. Junior college campus captains also. And so they're kind of broken down in that too, to be a little bit more manageable. So in my region, I think Uh, I think there's about like 60 to 80 campus captains. So even in just that smaller community, there's still a lot of support there too. But there are a lot of tangible things too. A lot of the the hidden opponent in general, like the overarching organization holds a lot of different events for campus captains. And you are required to go to one or participate with the hidden opponent, advocate in some way, whether that's on social media, you host an event on your campus, you attend one that's hosted by the hidden opponent. But they have events like this all the time. So they'll have guest speakers come in. I went to a really cool one last year that was learning about how to actively listen to people. Mm. And it was really interesting to learn about that, like in a mental health perspective, like being a teammate and an advocate for mental health and learning how to listen to any, whether you have a teammate or someone else, another student athlete that approaches you, learning how to actively listen and not just respond Uh, like with the first thing that comes to mind, really just taking in what they're saying and trying to support them or just not responding at all. Sometimes someone just needs a sounding board. And so doing a workshop like that was really interesting. But that's also something I can take in my professional life now and do this with peers in the classroom or eventually coworkers and something along those lines. And even in terms of being a journalist too, I thought that was really helpful to learn how to just like not answer right away to my the people I'm interviewing and letting them tell the story for me and not trying to direct the story to go a different way. So a lot of, like I was saying, a lot of social media campaigns. They have a lot of licensed psychologists and sports psychology people 
working with us too, that you can, if you have a chapter, you can reach out to them and have them be a guest speaker. Our founder, Victoria Garrick, does a lot of public speaking events, whether that's through a hidden opponent chapter sponsoring her or athletic department sponsoring her to do that. We actually had her guest speak over Zoom with our campus's SAC. Um, so Student Athlete Advisory Council, kind of like we were saying in the bio. And it was just an unreal experience because I've always known her through the hidden opponent and things like that. But to like have like a very personal conversation with her, with just my fellow student athletes at Ithaca was just super interesting. And it was, it was so interesting because a lot of people now know her from TikTok, but I had seen her in her TED talk about her experience with mental health. And that was something that I think really kickstarted the conversation in general, even outside of the hidden opponent. Her TED talk went viral pretty quickly too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch it. It's on YouTube. And it, I think she really just does a good job of breaking down what a student athlete schedule looks like. And yes, hers is for division one, but division three is not that far off from that either. If you're involved in other activities outside of it, like it's still pretty busy. Obviously division two is also similar as well. And so to see, see her on social media and in that TED talk and stuff, and then be able to have like a more intimate conversation with her, have a live conversation with her was really interesting and probably something I'll never forget because she really is exactly the way she seems on social media. She's very live, very bubbly, very Mm -hmm. thoughtful and caring. So it was really interesting to be able to see her live in an intimate setting like that. Yeah. So it's so funny because yeah, uh, Victoria Garrick is somebody we've reached out to actually have as a guest on this podcast. She's got a lot going on. She's very busy. So it hasn't happened just yet, but we were like, well, let's try and get people who are part of her mission, right? Part of the hidden opponent, which is one reason, you know, how we found you is like, well, let's get a campus captain because it's this two way thing, right? Of the hidden opponent is helping educate and empower you. So you can, you know, learn and become a better leader and a better listener, but then you can then teach and guide and provide resources to all the other student athletes on campus. So it's, you know, this, again, you're getting kind of training and you can then train and help and provide resources to others, which is really amazing. And and ultimately too, I think even just that term captain, like just remembering the importance of that. It's somebody who's supposed to be a leader and somebody that other athletes and teammates can go to in a time of need. And so I, I just think it's it's such a great mission. And and I'm curious to hear for you, like why, like where is where did this interest come for you, right? Like there's lots of hobbies and clubs you can do as a student athlete. Why is advocating for mental health so important to you personally? Yeah. So I'm going on to my third year as a campus captain now. And so I joined during COVID. Not necessarily at the peak of it, but right after it, it was right when we found out field hockey was going to get, our season was canceled for 2020. And this was the first time in probably 11 years, 11 or 12 years that I wouldn't have been playing field hockey, Mm. which is like just crazy to think about now. And it was a pretty wild thought then. But even before that, I had been struggling just with the transition into playing field hockey full time in college. I'd always been a multi-sport athlete. And so I going from only playing in the fall and maybe playing a little bit in the spring, playing a couple tournaments with club team here and there, and but also just rotating sports year round, I quickly learned what burnout was before even learning what the term burnout was. Yeah. And so I really struggled mentally with that in my first year of college. 
and definitely struggled with some body image issues and things along those lines too. And so then when COVID happened, I going home, honestly, it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise to have to go home for that period of time and regroup. It was the first time ever really that I didn't have anything other than school. And I just had to be home with my family and take some time for myself. So having slowed down a little bit was good. And then going back into another semester of online school and not having field hockey anymore, that was another challenge for me. And so I realized that like mental health was something that I needed to really start taking seriously. And I didn't want to just take it seriously for myself. I wanted to take it seriously for other people too, and try to learn how I can help other people through that. Cause I realized that I wasn't alone in that necessarily anymore. And so once I found out about the campus captains program, because I'd heard about the hidden opponent from following Victoria Garrick on social media and things like that, but I didn't realize that I could be a campus captain without having necessarily like, like a diagnosis of some sort. Like I thought it was, you had to have had this crazy traumatic experience, but I learned very quickly that there's a spectrum of mental health and you don't have to be struggling with something that big to start advocating for it or start taking care of yourself even like it's really important to start taking care of your mental health before you get to that point and that was something that the hidden opponent really taught me and so that was kind of when I got interested in that and started advocating for it a little bit and I I haven't been as active in it the last couple of months because of a lot of other things I had taken on but it's always nice knowing that it's not it doesn't feel like a chore. It's not another thing I have to cross off the list every month. Like it's something I look forward to yeah. doing my event, which is something I really love about the hidden or the hidden opponent compared to some of the other activities I'm into. Yeah, because if it felt like a chore, then suddenly your mental health is going yeah, down. Exactly. And that's not the purpose of the organization. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You brought up so many important things that I want to highlight. First from the athletic spectrum of how many people in their youth and in high school are multi-sport athletes. And that's, that's great. And that's normal. And then, yeah, that shift to just focusing on one sport. And some people are excited about it. Like, oh yeah, cause this is maybe where I really excelled or this is my passion, but it is draining. It is draining and doing that all year long and maybe not having something, you know, sometimes you know, I have a client that actually she's still in high school and I think like she was a multi-sport athlete and then like sophomore and junior year, she got really just into running because she was excelling. And finally, senior year, it was like, wait a second, like I'm going to go out for the swim team because I just need to switch it up and I might do softball in the spring. And it's like, you know what? This is the time in your life when when you can do that. First of all, like, you know, once you're 30, it's like hard to, you know, <laughs> just go join a softball league. They're out yeah. there, but it's a bit harder. Right. So it's like, enjoy that while you can. And then that transition though, to college, it's just that, that burnout piece is quite a bit focusing on just one thing. And I think just putting it out there to, to help people in that transition, recognize it. Like you said, you didn't even know what burnout was, but, but you were already feeling it to try and recognize it sooner or seek help or, you know, it is possible actually like you do to do two sports in college. It's very hard, but you do. You do field <laughs> hockey and you are on the track team as a thrower, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I just yeah. joined. So this is like, I'm I'm about a month or two into it now, but kind of similar to what you were saying about your client. I realized that like, this was the last time I was going to have a chance to like be a student athlete. So like, why not just keep going for it sort of thing? Why not? And so yeah. it, I didn't really see any reason not to like, yeah, maybe it would have been nice to like 
just be like a, a normal student or whatever for this period of time. But I, I threw for two years in high school and then I stopped to focus more on field hockey, at least in the springs of my junior and senior year when I was doing some other things like school related unified track, which is a part of Special Olympics. Um, I had gotten involved in that and was still throwing shot, but with that obviously was not as demanding. And so I still like, I still loved throwing in that period of time and I did miss it here and there. And so I, and I got to college and I actually had a teammate who was on the field hockey team and threw for all four years. And so I'd always seen her do it. I was like, Oh, I'd love to do that and get back into it. And I just was like, Oh, like, I'm not gonna like, I, I came to focus on field hockey now. And so now I'm done with my fourth year of field hockey, my senior season. I was like, there's really no excuse now. And I, yeah. I love weightlifting. I powerlifted competitively in high school. My high school had a team, which was so awesome to have that opportunity. And we went to nationals a couple of times. And that really started like my love for, for exercise and sport and just weightlifting in general too. And especially like women in powerlifting and mm-hmm. being empowered to do that. Even though a lot of times we're told as young girls, if you're going to lift, you're going to get bulky and you're going to look like a man, which we obviously know now is not true. And so I, I loved lifting still during field hockey. We weren't doing as much of it because it's a little bit more of an endurance focused sport, similar to soccer or lacrosse. And so I knew if I joined track, then I would get to do a lot more weightlifting. And I wanted to get back into it in terms of more lifting for power and strength as opposed to endurance and speed. And so I was like, there's no reason not to. And now I've loved every second of it so far. I love the people I'm throwing with. It's a much different environment than field hockey. And so I'm really glad I decided to do it. But yeah, so I just started doing it again this year. Yeah, it's awesome. And I think just like sharing that story is so important for people to hear. Like you can make your college experience whatever you want it to be. Like you want to do two sports. You want to try out for a different team. You can. It doesn't matter what your intentions were coming into it freshman year. I've got to focus on field hockey. Like that can change. It's allowed to change. And so I just think that that story in and of itself is, is inspiring and, and might even help. Like if you're feeling that burnout to know, like whatever your goals were coming into freshman year, like you're allowed to change them. You're allowed to switch it up. You're allowed to take a season off and go abroad. If you want to, I remember when I was in college, I had some teammates go abroad. And I remember thinking like, wait a second, like you're going to miss out on the training or the season. Like, but it's like, well, no, because that actually that fulfilled their college experience more. Maybe they got the little break that they needed and they came back next season and and finished strong and had fun. It's like, you know, it doesn't, you have options, I think is so important, you know, to, to share. Yeah. And that is something I love specifically about division three. I think that makes a little bit more room to do something like that, like studying abroad, playing another sport than maybe division one or division two. And we do see other athletes in those two divisions playing other sports, but maybe not studying abroad because of the demands of the off season that isn't really necessarily an off season because you're still playing a certain amount of days in the spring and you are for division three still doing that too. But again, it's supposed to be academics focused first. But I think with that, there's a big concept or big misconception that division three is that you're just less athletic than the first two divisions, which isn't really true. It just means that you have other priorities outside of sport. And yes, you're still that dedicated to your sport as someone from division one or division two, but you also are have interests outside of your sport or have mm-hmm. more than one sports interest. And so that is something that I really like about division three. And I don't think if 
if I would have gone to a different division, I don't think I would have had the opportunity to then do this now or even be a part of things like the Tucker Center or yeah, Women's Sports Foundation. Given those were a little bit more related to my sports media studies, I wouldn't have been able to dedicate as much time to that, I don't think, if I had been in a different division for sport. Fans, I hope you are enjoying the conversation. We are going to take a quick pause so I can tell you about our partners. They are so valuable in providing you with amazing products and helping keep this podcast going. First, Prevenix. Thanks to their incredible Joint Health Plus product, my aches and pains from running and honestly being a new mom, as crazy as that sounds, have literally disappeared. As I continue to push my body physically as an athlete and frankly, as I continue to age, I was shocked at the aches I was beginning to feel in my knees, wrists, ankles. It seemed like omega-3s, curcumin, nothing was really working. But after just one month of Joint Health Plus from Prevenix, I felt a drastic improvement. Honestly, this is something I rarely experience with supplements, but Prevenix uses quality ingredients backed by sound science. Their products are pharmaceutical grade with extensive testing for safety, quality, and purity. They offer other supplements, including probiotics, omega, immune health, and a multivitamin, which I also use daily. And the science behind their multi has changed my opinion on multivitamins altogether. I used to never recommend them or take them myself. And now I recommend and take Prevnex Multivitamin Mineral and Antioxidant Plus daily. I am so impressed with Prevnex and I can't wait for you to try. You can get 15% off your first order using the code RISEUP at checkout. The company also offers 100% money back guarantee within 30 days because they stand by their products. And so do I. Head to Prevnex.com, P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com and use the code RISEUP, one word at checkout for 15% off. Thanks to Inside Tracker, I can get insights and feedback on my blood biomarkers whenever I want to. No more waiting for doctor's visits and them telling you, you're fine. Instead, you are in control of your health with Inside Tracker. For 20% off any of their products, blood biomarker testing, DNA kit, inner age, head to InsideTracker.com and use the code RISEUP. Take your health into your own hands. For nutritional shakes and bars to fuel your body, head to Orgain.com and use the code RISEUP30 for 30% off your first order. Orgain's ready-to-drink nutritional shakes are my go-to to throw in my bag when I'm heading to the gym or to a trail to run so that when I'm done, I've got a recovery option to refuel and rehydrate with right away. Orgain makes nutrition and sports nutrition that works. For repeat customers, check the show notes for more. And again, first-time customers, head to orgain.com and use the code RISEUP30, all caps. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah. And I think this, thank you for sharing that too, because again, I think just society puts such an emphasis on division one, division one, and it's like, there's benefits of D2 and D3 that should be strongly considered. And really, there's amazing, competitive, dedicated, excellent athletes in all three divisions. And we see, and I've spoken on this podcast even, many, I've spoken to many professional athletes who went to a D2 or D3 school, right? It's about finding the right fit for you at that time and kind of where 
I don't even want to say priorities because it's not that sport isn't a priority for you, but it's just how can you make what your priorities are in your life work for you best? And so you, you know, there's a lot of societal, societal like glorification of D1. So it's really nice to hear you talk more positively about the D2 and D3 options. Yeah, definitely. And even my, my best friend from high school played basketball division two, definitely could have gone to a, maybe a lower tier division one or just another school in general than where she went. But she had some issues with her health. She had torn her ACL our, or my junior, or my sophomore year of high school, her junior year of high school. And then toward again, her freshman year, but division two was a great option for her because she could still redshirt, but then she still was playing at a high level and still getting to compete while still focusing on her academics too. Whereas a lot of the division one schools that she had looked at didn't keep looking at her after that, at least division two still gave her a chance and she still excelled in those programs too. So I think it just provides a lot of, a lot more opportunity than I think we give credit to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go back to something else you mentioned before of, you know, maybe you didn't have some mental health diagnosis per se, you know, but wait, I'm still somebody who's deserving of maybe learning more about mental health and doing some things to help me in that regard. And maybe I can help others too, that it doesn't have to be diagnosed or labeled as a problem. And I think this is so important because first and foremost, let's think about this rationally, like preventative care is how we prevent things from becoming a problem. Like how do you, one of the ways, because there there are other factors, but one of the ways that you can prevent something from being this big, bigger problem, or now I do have clinically diagnosed depression, or now I am, you know, taking medication is like, well, it's if I do the little things, if I get involved, if I start caring about my mental health before, it's a problem. So I think that's just so important to highlight, like, you are deserving of exploring what mental health means to you and how to improve your mental health, even if you don't think there's any problem right now, or you're not sure if there's a problem, like, then that's worth exploring and giving yourself the opportunity. I mean, here's another point, like, I think we can all always improve our mental health. I think there's always improvement, (laughs) right? Like, I don't think you have to be in a bad place to say, but maybe this could be better. Definitely. You know? And I think a lot of that, like, I think we get to that point sometimes where it becomes diagnosed, becomes clinical, you have to take medication for it because we, there's still, and I think the hidden opponent has specifically has done a lot of work to destigmatize it. Um, and I don't, I don't hear conversations about mental health in such a negative tone as I think we did pre-COVID. I think that was another oh, yeah. blessing in disguise during that time period was now that it's it's not a shameful thing anymore. I think a lot no, of times- Because I think was, society-wise, yeah. like we all experienced something together that impacted Absolutely. All of yeah, us. no. <laughs> like we were all like, we all, and we're still feeling the effects of it. Absolutely. We actually, we're just talking about this. We had a sports psych session in our after practice for the women's track team yesterday. And one of our captains was kind of saying that something she really wants to see us do as a team this year is start embracing fear and not being afraid of failure because we've been living in fear for two and a half years now of COVID really. And I hadn't really thought of that effect of it until she said that. 
And I was like, that that could really be applied to a lot of different things. And I, again, I think mental health is one of those things. Just being isolated like that for so long, not being with a team for the first time and maybe ever for some student athletes. I think there's a lot we're still overcoming with that. But one thing that we did overcome in the meantime is having a negative outlook on mental health and there being shame regarded to it and it being seen as if you have to ask for help, then you're mentally weak or you're not strong enough. You can't handle being an athlete or even quite frankly, just making the decision to step away from your, your sport because you realize Mm -hmm. it doesn't make you happy anymore. I think there's still a little stigma around that, but I, I wish like that wasn't how we looked at it so much anymore. Maybe not necessarily. I think, I think there's a lot of stigma still around being the, uh, being a quitter maybe is the best way to say it. And there's not necessarily, if that's what you have to do to make yourself happy, then who cares if you're stepping away or if you're quitting, if that's like what you decide to call it. But I think there's a lot less stigma around it now. And I think that's how we're going to going to start addressing this sooner than later. And people are going to prematurely take care of their mental health before it gets to that point, which is something my field hockey team started taking mental health really seriously during COVID and has continued to we had like little mental health pamphlets that I got to help make um, when I was interning for our coaches last semester. And so I, it was really cool to get to help put that together. And it wasn't necessarily just like coloring pages or journaling pages. Like we did have resources in there for emergencies because I do think self-care a little bit is, has become a little bit uh, I've, the first word that comes to mind is fluffy, but I don't necessarily um, think that's the right way to, to say it. But I think it has come to something where you have to, you think you have to spend money, like you have to buy a coloring book and color, or you have to buy get your nails done. Yeah, get, get a like massage. A, exactly. Like, yeah. And that's not necessarily what it is. Like sometimes it's like making the decision, like sitting down and doing your homework or making a to do list, even though you don't want to, and actually getting that stuff done. And I say this because I'm calling myself out for this. I'm really bad at this. I'll like, I'm a big procrastinator, but something that I've had to start doing is actually just being disciplined enough to sit down and get what I need to get done, mm-hmm. done in that moment and rather sooner than later, because I know it's going to make me feel better having it done already. Oh, I love this conversation. <laughs> we actually, with, with my clients in the female athlete system of transformation, my, my program, there's a little bit of a group aspect. And one thing we do is self-care Sunday and we all share, what are we doing for self-care? The reason we share is honestly to see the differences and to know that self-care looks different for everybody and can look different week to week or day to day. So where where one day maybe self-care is saying, you know what, I am going to book a massage and I am going to do that. And and that's cool. But the next time self-care is I'm going to I'm going to make sure I get my homework done, like you said, because it's like if I don't get this done, if I don't set aside the time to prioritize my homework, then I'm going to be stressed out. I'm going to stay up late. You know, I'm, I'm going to not do good on, on my test. And then I'm going to feel terrible and feel bad about me. And that's not good for your mental health. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, in, in our group, when we talk about self care, it changes. And, and speaking of nutrition, sometimes self care is saying, screw it. I'm so exhausted. I'm not going to the grocery store. I'm going to do delivery groceries and I'm going to order takeout tonight. And other times it's like, Oh my gosh, I have a busy week coming up. I'm going to meal prep today. I'm going to get myself ready for the week. And we just share all these differences of what what self-care is. It's 
hey, I love coloring books. That's cool and everything. But like, it's not just that. It's not just, I would say my self-care today, I, in a similar fashion to you of like that thinking ahead, I've been so exhausted lately in my life. I'm very tired. And so I've been allowing myself to sleep in and that's good. And today my self-care was waking up 20 minutes earlier to journal. Love that. And it was like, you know what? I just need to, I need to, I needed to like get some things out. I hadn't been journaling as much as I used to. And it was like, you know what, Lindsay, you've let yourself sleep. That's good. I know you're tired, but like 20 minutes is going to make the difference. So that was self-care today. Absolutely. So yeah, I thank you for bringing that topic up. I think it's really important for people to just hear like, what does self-care look like? It doesn't have to be the fluffy of like, I'm taking a bubble bath yeah. every day. Yeah. <laughs> like can be if you want it to be, but it doesn't have exactly. to be. Yeah. And like, I think yeah. something that is, has been a big one for me is that I always thought like, my self-care was being social and like going out and hanging out with my friends and like going to get ice cream with them or something like that. And to an extent that is, but my social battery since COVID has drastically decreased mm. and I've started to really prioritize just having a little bit more alone time and like not talking to anyone, like not talking to anyone on the phone or anything. I'm in a long distance relationship with my partner. He lives in California. He's actually moving to the Philippines today for the next couple of months to play soccer professionally. So sometimes I, and this is something we've had to work on our our relationship too, because I'll feel guilty that I didn't get to talk to him on the phone earlier that day. So I'll call that night, but then I'm in a bad mood because I'm tired. And when I'm tired, I, you do not want to hang out with me. I don't think I'm not very nice when I'm tired. So that's something that, yeah, Yeah. that's something I've had to just like make a conscious effort to be like, do I really want to spend the time talking on the phone or do I want to go to bed and then make sure I prioritize that at a better time tomorrow. And so that's something like, I just have to like be alone, not, not on my phone. That's something else too, that I think a lot of times we think like, oh, I'll go on TikTok for a couple minutes. Like that'll be just a quick break, but you get more tired from that necessarily. It's not shutting your brain off for five minutes the way we think it is. No. And so that's something too, just like prioritizing more alone time for me. And especially like being involved in as much as I am outside of athletics and outside of school. I I have a hard time saying no, which I don't necessarily is a bad thing because I think we talk about that a lot, like saying like, say no more, like prioritize yourself and like, To an extent, that's good, but I also only have this amount of time to have all these opportunities where I don't have to worry about like maybe not paying as many bills as I could when I'm older. I don't have to worry about finding a job right now or starting a career, having a family focusing on that. Like this is a time where I have a lot of opportunities. I could just say yes to really whatever I want. So maybe I do overdo it a little bit sometimes, but it's still finding that balance of like, really deciding like, okay, this, this is something I really care about. This is what I really want to do. And then also being like, I need to be by myself for a little bit, I think is a big balancing act for, especially for college athletes, because a lot of your socialization is just your sport. And so you think you want to go out and do other things with people, but maybe that's not necessarily what you need, or maybe it is what you need. Maybe you are isolating a little bit too much and you do need to go talk to people outside of sport and not necessarily be with your team for a little bit, be with some friends you made from class, something that I really loved that it was, while well, it was, it was a very like stressful and exhausting experience. It was very rewarding. When I was, the, I was a sports editor for a newspaper here at Ithaca for a few years. And one of my favorite things was getting to go to the office and hang out with people who weren't athletes, like yeah. and talk about stuff other than sports, even though I was still the sports editor. 
that was something I loved making friends outside of sports in that sense too, which was really nice. I found the same thing by junior and senior year of college that I was craving. I got more involved in like the nutrition clubs. It wasn't necessarily sports nutrition at the time. It was just nutrition and like leaning into the academic clubs a little bit more. I started to go to like the student union going to some you know, cause there were like the restaurants and the dining halls where all the athletes went. And then it was like, I'm going to go to lunch at like this other place where like yeah. the hippies are yeah. <laughs> um, and like hang out with those people for a little bit. I kind of like craved that something different, but I think what's really, what I love Arla about hearing you talk. And I hope that people are, are picking up on this is when it comes to mental health, there's, there's not really a direct right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Maybe being the yes girl saying yes to everything is good, but maybe we also need to say no to some things and have some alone time. Maybe we need to talk to people more often, but maybe we also need to say like, hey, I need, I I can't talk right now. And so there's never a clear black and white answer when it comes to mental health. It's going to be very individualized and it's going to change on your situation, your life stage, like what you're going through. And I think what's so important about this is that's why just having like skills and tools and re and, and resources to learn about yourself. How am I dealing with this current situation? If I'm not dealing with it really well, how can I improve it? What are some decisions I need to make or some support I need to have to help me cope in this time period like better? Right. And. And so there's never, there's never a clear cut answer, but it's, it's that, it's that daily work on yourself, giving yourself the time and space to reflect on your emotions and your thought processes and your mental health in order to make that adjustment that you might need. And I think that's where, you know, this converse, this candid conversation with you is so helpful to get people to think differently and then know, like, if you have no clue where to turn, if you do feel alone, if you are just like, really struggling mentally every day, feeling burnout, feeling overwhelmed, feeling pressure, feeling alone, whatever it might be, if like reach out to a campus captain, find mental health resources so that you can start to learn. Like that's what you've done is you've learned about yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, really like what's helping me, what's not, how can I adjust? And and these are such important skills, not just as a student athlete, as, as a human being. Like you're learning this now. Some people don't, learn this until they're 30, till they're 40, or sometimes never. So like, yeah. <laughs> right, going back to what we were talking about before, like learning these mental health, coping and emotional processing skills at a young age helps hopefully prevent things from going in an unhealthy direction later on. I do just want to add in there that the hopefully prevent because preventative care isn't everything like trauma happens, mm-hmm. tragedy happens, people are genetically predisposed to depression sometimes. So there are things that like you can be doing all the things in the world and like, yeah, we can, you know, life is still very difficult sometimes and things can happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think this time of year, especially for Northern states, Northern Midwest, seasonal depression is a really big thing right now. Oh yeah. It is something that I didn't, really struggle with until I came to college. And I've now, I, my freshman year, I didn't really know what it was. I was like, why is spring semester so much harder? And then sophomore year, I was still kind of like, okay, like this is still pretty hard, but like, I'm also just coming off of COVID. So I don't know what was harder. 
And then last year, I actively was like, okay, this is definitely seasonal depression compared from like my transition from my mental health in the summer and fall and winter and pretty, I mean, in Ithaca, New York, you don't see the sunlight until June. Like there's really, (laughs) there's crazy. There's, yeah, there's no sun. And I think also just like recognizing that sooner than later, if you can, because you can be doing all of the preventative stuff you want. And you can't really do anything about not getting enough vitamin D. So you actively have to make sure that you're taking your supplements. Maybe your diet's changing a little bit based on the seasons too. We know that like fruits and vegetables are different or fresher in different seasons. So making that conscientious decision with your nutrition, because obviously we know that does play a role in that too recognizing that you need more sleep during these seasons. And yeah, maybe you have your to-do list, but you're not going to get anything done on your to-do list tomorrow if you are too tired because you didn't go to bed early enough for that too. So I think especially for Northern states, but in general, recognizing the the way the seasons play a role in that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like we shared off air earlier how I grew up in Massachusetts, but the last decade or so I've been in Southern, more warmer weather clients and it it is it is so interesting how the seasons impact us truly biologically from that like hormonal vitamin D level but it's just like i i went home for a week for christmas to massachusetts and like we just didn't get outside as much and we tried you know we yeah. like went for a hike in like a on like a 28 degree day i don't know <laughs> like, we tried but it's just hard and it's like here in texas like I can get outside multiple times a day and I see the sun and it's just, it is so different. Even my husband who grew up in South Florida, he's always been a warm weather person. Like the one week in Massachusetts, by the end of it, he was like, I'm going stir crazy. Like, yeah. get out of the house. I'm like, this is only one week, babe. Like, yeah. People live like this, yeah. you know, it's so anyways, I'm laughing and joking about it, but no, it is real. It is a real thing. And it's something to be mindful of, to be aware of. And I think too, like your point, if you're a college student and maybe, you know, you moved across the country for college, maybe you're from a warmer climate area and then you move to a cold climate and northern area for college, like that's going to hit you. Yes. <laughs> big time. Yeah. That's going to hit you freshman or sophomore year. Yeah. Yes. Big time for sure. That was something my partner struggled with that a little bit. He did go to Ithaca for a little bit. He's from California originally, and then he transferred to another school back home. But I've never seen the cold affect anyone the way it affects him. We had done some or some like polar plunges, and the first time we went and did one, given it was it was like a legit cold plunge. Like I knew kids from Ithaca that had the tools to cut a hole in the ice in one of our swimming holes that we go to here, um, one of the gorges in the summertime. And I found out these kids did that. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do that so bad. Like let's go. And so we had gone to do it and I, I was worried about him after I'd never seen anyone like, yeah. <laughs> like he was like on a, like another planet, like zoned out after that, just trying to regain like his warmth and stuff. And I was like, I forgot, like, you're not really even used to snow. Never mind, like jumping in cold water. <laughs> like, and, and it was, it was safe. I feel like I should have include that. That was, it was a safe <laughs> was thing safe to, to do. do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, he was like, I've never done anything like that. Eyes were huge. Like we hiked back and he didn't say a word the whole time. <laughs> like Very quiet. So especially, yeah, going from 
whether it's coast yeah. to coast or southern to northern, yeah, it definitely plays a big role if you're going far away for school too. Hey fans, I hope you are enjoying this conversation so far and we'll be back to it in just a moment. But first, I want to pause and let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Female Athlete System of Transformation, aka the Fast Track to Overcome Disordered Eating and Use Food as Fuel to Perform at Your Highest Level. The Female Athlete System of Transformation is my unique program and proven systems to guide female athletes to understanding and implementing the proper nutrition for their sport, life, and health. Myself and my team of registered sports dietitians work one-on-one with clients to address their unique needs and counsel them through the nutritional and behavioral changes needed. Many female athletes who resonate with disordered eating, mental guilt around food and body, relative energy deficiency in sport or female athlete triad, amenorrhea, repeat injuries due to negligent nutrition, or frankly, just a lack of knowledge and understanding on their fueling needs have seen incredible success in the fast track. After years of working as a sports RD, I've compiled the most effective ways for female athletes to learn nutrition, be supported, be challenged, and ultimately find their success with fueling as fast as possible. So don't wait another day. Get to your goals faster by joining the Female Athlete System of Transformation. Look in the show notes or head to the website to book a free call and learn more. Okay, now let's get you back to the conversation. Enjoy. Yeah. So I want to bring up something else that I did not plan to talk to you about, but I'm just reflecting on it. So I want to bring it up. So you've mentioned, you know, you're in a relationship, you have a boyfriend. And when I think back, I was talking to my, my partner at Rise Up Nutrition, Jenna, she's the other dietitian on my team. And and we work with a lot of high school and college athletes. And, And I just like was talking to her about all the stressors that student athletes are going through and remembering that in all honesty, for me personally, the most that I struggled with mental health in college was actually in relationship. It it was a relationship issue. You know, it was, this is just for so many young people, like it's a social time. You get into intimate relationships, personal relationships, maybe your, maybe your first one or your first meaningful one. And then like, for me, I ended up having a meaningful relationship that I then broke up with him, which was something I wanted to do, but that I didn't know how to deal with a breakup, even though I was the one who broke up with him. I did not know how to cope with that. And um, I was on the track team. He was on the track team. I had to be around him every day. Like it was, that was honestly one of my biggest struggles with mental health was navigating in, intimate relationships and like kind of the first ones of my life too. And I just, I don't know where I'm going with this conversation, but I just wanted to share that because you know, we have these conversations about the pressures of sport or the pressures of body image or the pressures of college. And to be frank, I'm going to put the pressures of intimate relationships probably number one on there because it affected everything. Like that's what affected my performance. That's what affected my happiness at practice every day. Yeah. Was this like interpersonal thing that I had going on and I didn't know how to cope with that. So like that's super important when we're talking about mental health is, is to just you know, address the importance of these relationships. I learned a lot from that process. I did, but it was really hard. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like, it's been, I would, I would definitely say 
it's a little different too when you're in like a relationship that you're both on campus versus maybe when you're long distance too, because a lot of There's huge challenges of being long distance. Yeah, so. yeah. And yeah. so like a lot of like the struggles you talked about, I didn't necessarily have personally, but I've seen my teammates go through it, whether it was a healthy relationship or not. And I think that plays a really big role in it too. You could still be unhappy in a healthy relationship. But also sometimes just recognizing that a relationship is unhealthy for you is one of the hardest battles. And that's something that so many people can tell you over and over again. And that's something sometimes you just have to figure out for yourself. And no matter how many times someone tells you, like, until you see it, you don't realize it. And that can be hard, obviously hard to experience yourself, but then also hard if it's one of your close friends or your teammates, like, to watch them go through that and be like, they deserve so much better. Like, this is not good for them. And there's only so much you can do about that, too. And so I think it's, I have, I never really realized until college how much relationships do affect a person. And I've seen some of my teammates be in really difficult relationships. And I'm probably the biggest feminist there is out there. And I'm a big, like, like, you don't need a man, anything like that. Because I mean, obviously one, we don't, it's a choice or you don't necessarily need a romantic partner, but like to like actively tell my teammates that and see them unhappy in relationships and still go through them is something that's been hard at least to watch, but I can't even necessarily imagine going through that either. But I did see, I guess a little bit different from that topic, I did see something the other day that I thought was like such, I I forget where I saw it even. I wish I could remember to give credit to whoever said it, but it was basically the idea of we're expected to no longer be lonely in relationships. And that's just not necessarily true. You could still be lonely and be in a relationship. It's not that like this person makes you whole, you're whole without that person. And that person is there to share the human experience with you and see you go through that yourself. And they're going to see you experience loneliness, whether that be like you you feel like you're having a hard time with friends or if you're an athlete, maybe you feel like you don't really know your role on a team. You feel isolated in that experience. And I think with long distance, that's something I've had to learn. And when I saw this person say this the other day, I was like, that's exactly how I was feeling like during this time last year, during the spring semester of last year. Was I like, I felt lonely, but I didn't know why. Cause I, I do have a very healthy relationship with my partner. And I was like, yeah, maybe it's long distance makes you feel lonely, but I also do have great friends. So it was like, why do I still feel like this? And I was struggling a little bit with the role that I was trying to figure out what my role was on the field hockey team, even as a junior. I still didn't feel like I necessarily was in a place that I wanted to be in, in my team. And so I think that was something I had to experience like that kind of loneliness. And I, I was like, I don't really understand why I feel this. And so I think that's something a lot of college kids go through. They feel this loneliness. They think it's going to be yeah. fulfilled with having an intimate relationship. And it's maybe, it's maybe it's not necessarily, you could have a healthy relationship and still feel like that. And it has nothing to do with the relationship. It just has to do with your, your experience of your life and how you're going through it and how you're navigating it. And I think especially in college, that's so difficult because no matter what year of college you're in, it's hard no matter what. And you're always navigating something new, even if you've been at the same school for all four years and whatnot, you're always navigating something new. So I think that kind of plays a role in intimate relationships in college too. Yeah, I actually love what you just said that in, in call this is why mental health in college is so important because you're always navigating something new. Like 
again, I can sit here as somebody in their their 30s and talk about relationships in such a different way because I've had quite a few and because I'm confident and stable now in the one that I'm in. But like in college, like it was brand new, right? And everything was brand new. Yeah. Classes were brand new. Being on my own was brand new. Cooking on my own was brand new. You know, everything, figuring out finances on my own, brand new. So that is one of, you know, everything is so new and everything is rapidly changing at this phase in your life as well. Everything is rapidly changing. Everything feels new. Nothing is really too stable. And I think that's why, again, it's so important to have mental health resources and to, and to learn more about yourself. Because as we were talking about earlier, it's like, there's no black and white with mental health. It's, it's learning and adapting and adjusting. And when you every semester have a change, you need yeah. to adapt to that. Right. So, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, Arla, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> <laughs> I really could. Yeah. And, and I feel like there's so much we didn't touch on, but I, I hope that our listeners enjoyed this conversation yeah. and just sharing some of your stories and experiences and just being honest about the struggles of mental health and also the help that's out there. So real quickly, like if, how do people get in touch with hidden opponent or campus captains? Like if they want to learn more, if they think they need help. Yeah. So the hidden opponent is they have a Facebook and an Instagram. I don't think. Oh, there's also a Twitter. And so you can reach out through there in any way. There's also a website that's linked in all of their social media. I think they have like a little link tree and it'll take you right to the website. And through there, you can reach out to someone if you're interested in applying for a campus captain position. I actually think too, they open up the form for new applications at the start of every semester. So that should be coming out soon, probably either like end of this month, maybe beginning of February for people who are interested in applying. But in in that case too, they're always just, their DMs are always open. You can go on their social media, specifically their Instagram. They're always telling campus captain stories on there. I think if you were, were to reach out to any campus captain, most likely someone would be willing to talk to you. At least for myself, mm-hmm. I would be. And so I think that would be the best way to reach out is through social media. But they also, they offer other resources on there too. You can, you can find there a lot of hidden opponent chapters for universities have their own Instagrams. They're hosting events. You might, you might have a chapter on your campus and not even know it. So it's definitely worth looking into. They have a list of universities that have campus captains on the website also, but the website also just has other resources on there too. If you need someone to talk to, there should be a resource list on there that you could reach out to someone online. But I think, yeah, I would say their social media and their website is the best way to reach out to the hidden opponent. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And I think I also want to add, if for any reason there isn't a campus captain, like that's where you were saying, like apply because just getting involved, like it's, it goes both ways where they, they can help you learn and then you can help others. But yeah, I I just think what a, what a great resource. And so Arla, I finish every podcast with the same questions to all my guests. Do you want to play along? Of course. <laughs> if there was one food you could eat every single day for the rest of your life and never get sick of it, what would it be? Oh, I have this conversation with people a lot, surprisingly. Um, yeah. Pizza. I And I always say pizza because I think you can make a variety of it. So it's not like you're eating the same piece of cheese pizza every day. You can put different toppings on it. Maybe you don't put sauce on it that day. 
Maybe you have a different kind of crust that time. So pizza is always my answer to that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great answer. Also, I think I really could eat cheese pizza every single day. Anyways. Also true. Also true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite sport to play and participate in yourself? Oh, um, I would say honestly, basketball. I would, I played. Oh, I didn't see that coming. I, yeah. Honestly, I had, that's why I had to think about this. I was like, ah. But basketball, I played for four years in high school and a little bit when I was younger. I was never the star of the team. I was actually normally put into foul or play defense, really. Even one of my senior year, I wasn't allowed to, <laughs> I was just telling someone this story yesterday. I wasn't allowed to dribble past half court or shoot past the foul line. But it's so fun and you can meet so many people that want to play. Mm -hmm. I played in a really awesome league in Oakland last summer. I had met the woman who started this. It's, oh, what? I get emails all the time. Let me find the name of it because it's such an awesome organization and we need more of this for women. Just pick up sports. Yeah. It's called, it's literally called Pick Her Up. I, for some reason, I was thinking it was um, She Can Ball, which is also a podcast by someone I know from the Tucker Center. But I found it through the Tucker Center when I was interning for them, got to play this summer. I was like, oh my God, I forgot how fun basketball is to play. And it's, you can play yeah. anywhere, you can play anytime, play with as many people as you want, you can play 1v1. So I would say, I'd say basketball is probably my favorite. I agree. And it, basketball is one of those sports where like there's always courts around somewhere, indoor, outdoor. Like it is a good, like, a, yeah, kind of like something that throughout life you can just jump in somewhere somehow. Exactly. So. Yeah. Cool. Now, how about as a spectator, what's your favorite sport to watch or be a fan of? I, and I get this from my dad, I love watching college wrestling. And I'm very excited that women's wrestling is on the rise right now too, especially mm -hmm. college wrestling, because that was something I always wanted to do as a kid, but I was a little too shy to be the only girl there and whatnot. And I really, I still wish I would have wrestled at least as a kid, because I remember mentioning it to my dad one time. He was like, we'll sign you up as soon as possible. Like he was really excited. And then like, it was in the middle of a wrestling season. So then by the next time it came around, I was like, mm, no, I don't want to do that anymore. But I love watching college wrestling. I think it's so exciting. And I still like, there's still a couple rules that I don't necessarily know, but it's always, you never know what to expect, which is really nice. Like at least yeah. in basketball, you know, like, oh, like, you score, the other team gets the ball now. Like that's not necessarily the case with wrestling. Like you could score and then keep scoring and then you don't know what's going to happen after that. So I would say, I would say college wrestling. I love that. So you, I just love how passionate you are about so many different sports, <laughs> right? You've got powerlifting, field hockey, basketball, wrestling, throwing. Yeah. <laughs> like you're just like, you are just a true, like you're, you're, you're a female athlete. Like you just love <laughs> it all. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. And so our final question, if there is a female athlete out there that you want to give a shout out to for being a role model, for being inspiring, and she can be someone well-known or someone in your personal life, who would that be and why? Oh, this one is so hard. I feel like there's so many I could think of. Um, I would say right now I would give a shout out to my roommate, Emily Dorn, because, well, she plays basketball here at Ithaca and she's going through a lot of personal things right now. Um, some family things. She's applying for grad school. She's she wants to be a speech pathologist, so she's applying to grad school programs for that. 
and all while also being one of the top scorers in almost every one of her games. And it's just so inspiring to me and to like, just to see her succeed. And she works really, really hard and cares a lot about her teammates. They're like her family to her. Um, And so I, I would give a shout out to her for working so hard right now and being so dedicated despite all of the crazy things she's trying to navigate right now too. That's awesome. And I think those shout outs that are people in our, our personal lives are, are just so meaningful because it's like, not that professional athletes aren't real people, they're real people, <laughs> but it's like, wow, this is happening in front of me. If somebody who is, you know, really just doing such an amazing job and, and being inspiring. And so I love that. So shout out to Emily. Well, Arla, thank you so much for being willing to have this conversation. I love how I I love the things that we talked about. I hope other people enjoyed it. And for being a campus captain, for advocating for mental health, for getting involved in the importance of, you know, females in sport. And I hope that you have, you know, many years to come of making a positive impact on others. Yeah, thank you. And I mean, thank you for having me and being willing to have this conversation and recognizing it's something to have, even just having podcast conversations or interviews or journalism that's done on mental health, this all adds up to it too. Um, And a lot of things like this are what makes it possible for the hidden opponent um, and other organizations like Katie Saves and Morgan's Message for them to be able to have a platform and do things like this because we're talking about it in the media and we're recognizing that it's an important topic to talk about. So thank you for having this conversation too. Yeah, of course. Well, wonderful. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and thanks for listening. But before I let you go, I have free resources that you can have access to right away, right now, so that you can start fueling your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. First, I have your Red S recovery race. If you've ever wondered if you might be struggling with Red S, curious to learn more, or know you have Red S and are looking to recover fast, then you can head to www.riseupnutritionrun.com slash red S and download the red S recovery race. See how you place and figure out the next steps to recovery. Plus while there, I have a few other great resources for you, including three nutrition secrets that every elite athlete swears by and access to our private Facebook community, Female Athlete Nutrition. So again, to gain access to all of this, head to riseupnutritionrun.com slash red S. That's backslash R-E-D-S. And you can gain access and get the help you need fast. Too many girls and women and female athletes struggle with nutrition, but you don't have to any longer. Become fierce, fit, and fueled. Links in the show notes, and I'll see you next time.